Goats doing yoga, baby. You're probably annoying your boss and peers. Who admits that they're watching porn at work? Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey everyone, happy Friday. Kevin Cruz here. And Friday is the day when I get to record a rant or behind the scenes message or anything else I want. We go off script a little bit. And I gotta be honest, I am motivated because one of our LeadX best customers, a super fan, a super friend, Diana Smeelands, called me out and said, hey, what's going on? Did you cancel the Friday shows? And I'd explain to Diana, no, it's just that Thanksgiving was getting in the way, end of the year busyness was getting in the way. And we play it pretty loose around here in terms of what we want to do with the show and when we want to do it. But she motivated me. The Sixers are up after three quarters of basketball. It's a Sunday night. I figured, let me bang out an episode or two. What I'm going to do with some of these Friday shows is I'm going to give you a glimpse at my next book. So my next book is being traditionally published through Crown. It was like a two year long process. It doesn't even come out until April of 2019. But I will tell you, it is already listed on Amazon, even though we don't even have a cover yet. So if you want to give me a, an early Christmas present, go on to Amazon, search for the book title. You can search on my name as well. But the book title is Great Leaders Have No Rules, which I'll explain uh, in another episode or closer when the book launches. But I'd love to tease you with some of the content. And one of the chapters is all about the dangers of smartphones. And you might be wondering, like, OK, that's interesting. Like, how are smartphones like a leadership problem, for example? And I would say if you care about productivity, if you care about the stress levels, the health of your team members, if you care about the safety of your team members, if you care about creating a culture of candor, creativity, if you care about any of these things, then smartphone use and misuse, I would say, at work is indeed a leadership issue. Now, I don't want any one episode to go too long, so I might be ranting about smartphone use for, I don't know, this could be a two-parter, a three-parter, maybe even a four-parter, but that's probably too long to go off on smartphones. But I will tease you with some sections of the book, some of the things that I'm thinking about as a way to share uh, some of what I've been working on this, well, really previous two years. So let me ask you, be honest. Do you check your smartphone for text messages or emails during business meetings? You know, like that little sneak peek under the table. So if you do, according to the researchers at University of Southern California Marshall School of Business, you're probably annoying your boss and peers. So this was their 2013 study done in the year 2013. They looked at the views of 554 full-time working professionals who earned more than $30,000 a year and were employed by companies with at least 50 employees. And they asked about cell phone use in different settings. And some of their findings included 86% of people think it's inappropriate to answer phone calls during formal meetings. 84% think it's inappropriate to write text messages or emails during formal meetings. 75% thinks it's inappropriate to read text or emails. 66% think it's inappropriate to write text or emails. And at least 22% think it's inappropriate 
to use your phone in any way in any meeting. Now, this research did show that older professionals and people with higher incomes were more likely to think that it's inappropriate to use your phone in a meeting. And I've spoken on this issue and written on it, and invariably, you know, a millennial age 25 to 35 or someone from the tech industry is like, those are a bunch of dinosaurs in that survey. Everybody uses their phone during meetings. This is BS. And I would suggest that one of the things you need to think about is indeed there is a bias. The older you are, the more likely you are to be biased against cell phone use. But in large organizations, this means that these higher ups who are the ones that hold your career in their hands, they are most likely to be critical of your phone behavior. Yeah, they might be dinosaurs and they're the ones that are going to think you're ready for a raise or promotion or not. So while workplace etiquette and civility are important, when it comes to smartphones, these issues are dwarfed by problems related to focus, attention, and productivity. It's not just looking bad in front of your boss. We take these little disruption devices, put them in our pocket, walk with them in our hand, set them within eyesight on our desks. Like, how did this come to be? They're constantly vying for our attention. And let me say, have you ever wondered why Facebook doesn't have a phone number for customer support? Why is there no technical support phone number for Facebook? You know, you're trying to figure out how to change your privacy settings, but it's too complicated. Maybe you want to upload several photos into an album, but don't know how to make an album. I'm basically sharing all the things that I struggle with. Why can't you just call up customer service and, you know, talk to an agent? Well, there's no phone support for Facebook because you're not the customer. You are the product they are selling. We are not the customer. We are the product. Now, Facebook does have customers and it's different than users. Their customers are the 4 million advertisers like Coca-Cola, Walmart, your local pizzeria. Your little phone screen is the big TV screen of old. Rather than running Tide commercials during soap operas, they're now running little commercials on your phone screens. It's a $224 billion market. That was back in 2017. And to be fair, there's no you know, customer support phone number for Google, Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera. They all make money when they get your attention. The people who get that customer support phone number are the advertisers. The big advertisers, they got a phone number to call. They can get a meeting. So Facebook and all those other companies I mentioned and the thousands of app and mobile phone game companies out there, they only make money when you see an ad, when you click an ad. Usually it's when you click an ad. So they are fighting for your attention. Now, this is nothing new. Like that's what advertisement has been about. Nothing happens in sales or marketing until we have your attention, right? Nothing can happen until that works. But it's never been like this. We are walking around with these interruption devices in our hands. And all these companies have these behavioral engineers, these super smart psychologists, people who are running little micro experiments to discover what gets you to pick up your phone, what gets you to open your phone, what gets you to open their app. So they've invented push notifications and those little numbers in red circles next to the app indicating a new message. They invented the never ending scrolling feed. 
more and more and more. They invented leader scoreboards, swipe left, swipe right. Technically, this is user experience design. Some people call it gamification of software, but others are beginning to call it brain hacking or mind jacking. And all of this works because of biology. There's a biology behind our addiction. So let me ask, what do gambling, sex, drugs, and smartphones all have in common? <laughs> Dopamine. It's been called the love drug. Dopamine is a chemical, it's a hormone, it's released in the brain to reinforce pleasurable activities. Activities that evolutionary biology wants us to keep doing. So it turns out we get a dopamine response from the simple activity of checking our phone throughout the day. People have said it's like pulling the lever on a slot machine. With every pull of the lever, every check of our phone, you know, we're wondering, what are we gonna get this time? And the fact that you don't win every single time is what makes it fun, it makes it addicting. So psychologists refer to this as the variable rewards effect. It's the anticipation that we enjoy. You know, maybe the last three times you looked, you know, you looked on your phone and you got boring pictures of other people's food and, you know, of course, political rants, you know, their kids doing cute things that only look cute if you're the parent. But every now and then, boom, jackpot. Goat's doing yoga, baby. <laughs> your joke got five more likes. Your sister left an LMAO comment. And how about that baby elephant chasing some birds? Dopamine, 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 yay. Like those light us up. More than 40% of people check their phones within five minutes of waking up. Then we check our phones on average 47 more times throughout the day. 30% of us check the phone right before going to bed. Leave things out of the bedroom that aren't, you know, and a phone shouldn't be one of them. Well, I guess you could be into that. But anyway, young adults use their phones 85 times a day, over five hours of total time a day. Now, all of these findings are coming from research from Deloitte in 2015. I'm pretty sure it's worse now than back in 2015. Kind of makes you wonder, like, what did we do with all that time before the smartphone was invented? So right about now, you should be asking, so what? We use our phones all the time. Everybody does it. So what? So let me talk about some of the downside of all this phone addiction, all this phone checking. So the first thing is smartphones distract and diminish brain power. You might remember some of these stories. In March of 2012, Bonnie Miller was enjoying a stroll with her husband and son. She remembered she needed to reschedule an appointment, so she took out her phone and sent a three-word text message and promptly walked right off a pier into Lake Michigan. Her family jumped in to keep her afloat, and within minutes, the Coast Guard arrived to fish her out of the water. And of course, our addiction these days can be seen all the time. Cars swerving in the lane ahead as the driver checks her smartphone. The couple in the restaurant looking down at their phones instead of at each other. People staring down instead of up at concerts, parties, and sporting events. People walking into objects and into each other on city sidewalks. And I'm not immune. I embarrassed myself walking into a pole outside of the train station in Washington, D.C. once. I tend to check my phone less now when I'm walking on sidewalks. So it's kind of funny, except when it isn't. Woman who was texting fell off a cliff in Alaska and died in 2012. The man was distracted by his phone before falling to his death in San Diego on Christmas Day three years ago, 2015. The woman who almost died falling off of California's highest bridge while taking a selfie. 
So half of all managers believe smartphones are the number one killer of productivity. And fully 75% of managers believe that their workers are losing two or more hours a day because of distractions. This is a Harris Poll survey of 2016. Same survey said the majority of employees report that they don't even have a work email on their phone. So what are they doing on their phone all day long while they are at work? So in the same survey, 65% said they're sending personal messages. 25% said they're playing, they're playing games. They're playing mobile games on their phones during the day while they're at work. 4% admitted that they're watching porn. Who admits that they're watching porn at work? Anyway, it turns out, even if you don't pick up your phone to take a call, read a message, or watch porn, just getting a notification of a call or text is enough to distract you. So Florida State researchers found that people were three times more likely to make mistakes in their work if their phone was notifying them of calls or text messages, even if they didn't pick it up, even if they didn't read it. This decline in performance was similar to those who actually took the call or read the message. So they were, the researchers said that they were shocked by the findings. They said even though the notifications were short, you know, a little buzz or a little beep or a little vibration of the phone, whatever it is, it prompts task irrelevant thoughts or mind wandering, which has been shown to damage task performance. So this is why I always silence my phone or even flip it over, you know, when I'm working, especially when I'm doing deep work. I'll just put it on airplane mode, flip it over, put it on the floor, not even on the desk, so it's kind of out of my view. But it turns out I'm not doing a good enough job because even having phones near us is distracting. And even if the phone is turned off, how can this be? Researchers at the University of Texas at Austin did a study, 548 undergraduates, and they looked at what does it do to your cognitive resources when your phone is just nearby? The study group, they were instructed to turn your phones completely on silent, turn off the ringer and vibrations. So it doesn't make any sound at all. Then they were randomized into three groups. One group kept the phone face down on the desk another put the phone in their pocket or purse. The final group had to leave their phones out in the lobby. And then they tested the people, different groups with different tasks to measure cognitive ability. The group that had their phones out in the lobby performed way better than the groups who had the phones nearby them. And the group that had their phone in their pocket did better than the group that had the phone on the desk. Remember, all these phones were completely off and silent. So it's better to put your phone in your pocket than on your desk. And it's better to put your phone not in the room, not on you at all. When asked about this silent phone on the desk problem, the researcher says, as the smartphone becomes more noticeable, participants' available cognitive capacity decreases. Your conscious mind isn't thinking about your smartphone, but that process, that process of requiring yourself to not think about something, don't think of an elephant, uses up some of your limited cognitive resources. It is a brain drain. All right, let me make one more smartphone problem point before wrapping it up, and then we'll continue next week. So smartphones also contribute to stress. So biologically, dopamine is only half the equation. That's our pleasure drug. The other half comes from cortisol. Cortisol is the stress hormone. Cortisol is released from our adrenal glands in response to fear or stress. So it's part of our like fight or flight mechanism. So when it comes to smartphones, many of us have FOMO, fear of missing out. So even if we aren't using social media for fun or for porn or checking our text messages and Slack channels or whatever, 
you know, for fun reasons, we might be doing it because we'll feel anxious if we don't. We're going to stress out if we are missing out. We're afraid we're going to miss out on something. So just last year, the American Psychological Association released a study called Stress in America. And they said constant phone checkers were 20% more stressed than those who don't check. Those who check their work emails on the weekend are about 50% more stressed. And maybe like, you know, correlation is not causation. I know, I know, everyone always emails me that. So is it like stressed out people are just more likely to check their phone, they got more going on. I'm stressed at work because it's so busy, therefore I have more emails to check. Or is the checking contributing to the stress? It's hard to tell. And I feel sometimes that I'm relieving stress when I check, you know, my email messages or something like that in the morning on the weekend. But the check-in sort of reinforces the habit and it anchors this never-ending cycle. Anderson Cooper, the journalist, he did a news segment on, uh, I think it was called Brain Hacking. And it was kind of a cool segment. It's fun if you can find it on YouTube or something. They wired him up with electrodes to measure his physiological state. And then while he was wired up, the researchers started sending him text messages to his smartphone without him knowing that it was part of the experiment. He didn't know they were going to do this. So his phone, he could see it. It was in front of him, but he's wired up. And every time it pinged with a new text message, not only was he distracted, but his stress response spiked on the monitor. So we don't need to be seeing our messages, reading our messages to feel the stress spike. Not seeing them can be just as bad. Not knowing what's going on can be just as bad. And I can remember, this was a couple years ago, took my, my family, took my kids on a cruise, the one and only cruise I've ever been on. Now, Natalie was 15 at the time. She's a freshman in college now. But we were on family vacation. I could see that she was stressing out. And it's because we were on this cruise ship heading to Bermuda. You know, unlimited food, drinks, game, movies, huge ship to go explore with her siblings. What could be the problem? What's she stressing out? Well, I found out there's no Wi-Fi. She was stressing out because she had no Wi-Fi on her phone. She couldn't use her phone. And there's even a term for this called <laughs> nomophobia, nomophobia, no mobile phone phobia. So research conducted in the United Kingdom discovered that 53% of mobile phone users feel anxious when they can't find their phone, when they can't connect to a network, or when their battery's about to run out. So specifically what was going on with my daughter Natalie was that without Wi-Fi, she couldn't use Snapchat. And without using Snapchat, she couldn't keep her snap streaks in jeopardy. Now, if you're old like me, you don't know what a snap streak is. Well, these brain jackers at Snapchat invented, you know, uh, these streaks so that it's completely arbitrary, but you can see how many days in a row you've chatted with someone on the app. So if your friend doesn't respond to a message within 24 hours, the chain is broken. Now, this is like a habit thing, right? So they say, if you want to jog every day or work out every day or meditate every day, whatever it is, you know, you do it and you mark it down on your calendar and you make like a chain. And of course, supposedly you do it for 67 days and then you're fine. You won't break the chain. But there's this pressure to keep the chain going. And they've cleverly, Snapchat cleverly figured out you get your friends. So it's like an accountability partner where you've got to snap each other every day. You've got to use the platform every day. There's no reason. It's, it's totally meaningless and it's totally addictive. So I exaggerated when I said we didn't have Wi-Fi. The boat had Wi-Fi, the ship had Wi-Fi, but it cost $25 per day per phone to have Wi-Fi. So 
I had only gotten Wi-Fi for myself because, um, you know, I need to check work messages only once a day. At least that's what I told myself. FOMO. So once Natalie discovered that I had Wi-Fi, she came up with a solution. She says, Dad, let me borrow your phone and I'm going to log into Snapchat from your phone. And that's how she kept her streaks alive. She'd borrow my phone every day, tap, 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 keep her streaks alive, hand me my phone back. And then she was fine. And I've later found out that, you know, teens have all kinds of ways to keep these streaks alive in ways that violate what they're supposed to mean. So other people will like leave their phone with their sister or something and say, hey, log in and keep my snaps going while I'm away or while I'm in the hospital or whatever it is. They're not even the ones keeping it, but that chain is so important. So that cruise ship story was like two years ago. And just yesterday, well, it's actually the time I wrote this, but my 13-year-old son, Owen, came back from a week of sleepaway camp. So, hey, how was it? Do you think you'll keep in touch with some of the kids you met? Without hesitating, he answered, oh yeah, I already have snap streaks going with a bunch of them. Today, we spent about 20 minutes talking about how phones can interrupt our productivity, hurt our productivity, and raise our stress levels. Next Friday, I'm going to rant a little bit about how smartphones can contribute to accidents. And a bigger emerging problem is that these phones are little recording devices. Spies in the 50s would have killed to have devices this good. And so people are beginning to be more cautious about what they say at work because they're afraid someone could be recording them. Anyway, this is a little bit different. You know, we like to experiment on this show. I figured on these Fridays... I don't have anything too exciting going on, but let me share some of the content that will be coming out in my book in April, Great Leaders Have No Rules. It is available on Amazon. It's all about the pre-orders, my friend. So if you really want to give me a holiday present at the end of the year here, just get yourself a copy of that book. And um, again, it won't even have a cover when you look it up on Amazon right now. And maybe that'll be fun. Uh, I don't know. Um, but you can get it and then be the first to get it when it when it launches. So that's it. Have a great weekend. Remember, leadership isn't a choice. We're leading all of the time. How are you going to lead this weekend? <laughs>